Hey everybody, this is Sam, that girl with the curls, and a merry holiday festivus thing. Um, uh, for m my part, my family, it's a Christmas celebration, but to you and yours, however you celebrate this holiday season, um, I hope that it is a good one, and that the next year will be better. Oh, you, who knows? Um, this is uh, episode 105 of That Girl with the Curls, and it is all about The Punisher, which seems so appropriate for the the holiday season, right? Correct? Uh, next one's going to be about Star Wars. I can just tell you that right off the bat. I've got that one uh, pretty much locked down in terms of it's going to happen before the year is out. Um, actually, don't hold me to that because I say a lot of things sometimes and it doesn't come true. Uh, but the plan is to get the uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi uh, episode out before, uh, 2018, and if that doesn't happen, then the first episode of 2018 it will be. Uh, so look forward to that. Uh, this is myself and, uh, my friend James, who you've heard on several, uh, past podcasts as well, uh, and I forced him basically to binge watch The Punisher so that we could talk about it on a podcast, because after watching it myself, I just had a lot of things that were on my mind concerning it. Um, not all of them are positive, obviously, because it's me. Um, but, you know, there are some good things about it. I just feel like story-wise, there were a lot of missed opportunities. So, uh, James and I do talk about that. We, we do, um, we're looking forward, or we're at least interested in how the second season is going to be, uh, uh, produced, how it's going to turn out. Because quite frankly, I mean, spoilers for the Punisher series, um, quite frankly, I don't know where you go from there unless it's basically like a, oh my god, I'm trying to have a normal life and then they pulled me back in kind of thing, which seems obvious, so it probably might be that. But anyway, um, you'll, over the course of this podcast, you'll, you'll get the gist of what I just summed up for you. Uh, and also at the end, I mentioned this, but it is worth saying that I did interview, uh, Lexi Alexander, who was the director of Punisher Warzone, uh, myself and JP was also, uh, a semi-frequent, uh, guest co-host, I guess, on the podcast. Uh, I would encourage you to check that one out because, uh, I actually enjoyed Punisher Warzone for the cartoonishness that it is. Um, and Lexi was and continues to be, uh, a source of inspiration, uh, for me, and I know for a lot of women, so uh, you should check her out, you should check the movie out, and you should listen to myself and James talk about the Punisher TV series here on episode 105 of That Girl with the Curls. Luckily, I don't have to think about a movie like that ever again. Oh my god, right. <laughs> well, which is, it's interesting too, because I ha I have thought about a couple of things. Like, I, I think the one thing that really struck me, and this was like maybe a, last week or something like that, I was thinking about it, and I was like, so how did Barry get his powers? They don't actually say, and since he wasn't working for the crime lab at the time when he got those powers... What the fuck was he doing? Right? Like, Barry Allen's just sitting in his makeshift warehouse shack, fucking around with a bunch of chemicals for no reason at all. I guess. by lightning. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't. I mean, even even in the Flash TV show, it's it's really weird how there's just all these bottles of chemicals lying around. Right, like in a crime lab, we just put a bunch of chemicals on a shelf. Yep. On a not sturdy shelf <laughs> in the middle of the room yep. for no reason at all. But at, at the very least, that makes some sense. I mean, it's comic book logic, so you have to go with it. But even by that standard in Justice League, it's just like, well, how, how? Was he just standing out in the middle of a hill and waiting for lightning to hit? <laughs> just, just out there Benjamin Franklining it. <laughs> oh my god. That'd be amazing if it's just him and a kite. <laughs> him and a kite and a glass of who knows what kind of chemical. <laughs> just like, hit me! <laughs> exactly. Oh no, that was the origin of Kite Man. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, I, uh, yeah, well, that's one point I made, like, because me and Paul talked about it, and I was just like, he was just like, I mean, they talked about it, and I was like, no, they don't. I was like, the only conversation that happens is between him and Cyborg, and Cyborg's like, so what, you got hit by, like, lightning or something? And he was just like, yeah, that's the abridged version, sure. And that's it! That's the only conversation about Barry's powers that ever comes up in the whole movie. Yeah, if they ever get around to actually making a Flash movie, maybe they'll go into some kind of detail as to how... Just jumping right to Flashpoint. Like, that's the plan. And I was just like, cool, so you're going to take a character that we don't have any established background for beyond Justice League. Mm-hmm. And you're just going to jump into, oh, he decides to reset the timeline because he decided to save his mom. Yeah. But on the upside, I've heard rumors that Jeffrey Dean Morgan will take up the mantle of Thomas Wayne. And I was like, you know what? If that's the only good part of that fucking movie, I'll take it. <laughs> I guess, yeah. I, I just I just don't even like Flashpoint the comic at all. Like, I didn't even like it how the Flash used Flashpoint. It was... This 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 particular storyline never works out well for anybody, <laughs> so... <laughs> and it's just... I mean, because... Have you read the comic? I read of yeah, it. I mean, it just because it's just an ultra violent. What if it's like a, it's basically an Elseworlds that just happens to reset everything because that's what the management at the time was like. Oh, we'll use this thing. It's like this was the stupidest thing you could have done. This is how we got the new Fifty Two, and that's why I hate it. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because the new Fifty Two overall is just garbage. Mm-hmm. Like, there's very few upsides that like came out of it at all. Exactly. Beyond, like, Superman doesn't wear his underwear on the outside of his pants anymore. Which, like, I was like, that's not bad. Which like, even then, it's kind of like, but I, I kind of miss the, the, the red tidy whities you know? <laughs> <laughs> At least it breaks up the monotony of all that blue, where you're just like, I can see where your bulge is, dude. Like... <laughs> I'm just mad because I feel like the new 52 officially got rid of Kevin Conroy as the voice of Batman in any of the animated movies. I was mm. just like, what have you done? Yeah. What have you done? <laughs> yeah, even the, the style of those animated movies just doesn't sit well with me ever since they started, like, using a particular, like, house style for it. And I was like, oh, I don't like cause the their heads are not proportionate at times to the rest of their bodies and... I know. Like, I don't know who you guys are working with, but you need to go back to whoever did Batman the Animated Series and just do that. Just do that animation. (laughs) Or or at least, like, I liked when they would, I mean, I I liked that each movie had a different animation style. I thought that that was actually really interesting because at the very least it gives it an artistic difference that, so you can identify it a bit better, but... Well, that's one of the reasons I'm excited about the new Batman movie that was announced that's like, 
Batman anime style. Oh, and I yeah. Like, I don't get how ridiculous this looks, because it looks really ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But I'm so excited about it. I know. <laughs> it's like, what? Samurai? And like, I just love seeing the entire Bat family basically represented in, in samurai form, in ninja form. <laughs> and, like, a multitude of varieties, too. Like, it looks like Damien has, like, some, like, weird, like, mini samurai like haircut kind of thing going yeah. on mm-hmm. like they all have like a very unique like japanese style about them yeah and i was just like and then the premise i was just like they get transported through time to feudal japan mm-hmm. how did they go from gotham <laughs> to feudal japan well that's my first question well, isn't this the same uh, 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 suspension of disbelief you have to have in the third turtle movie? <laughs> like, at the very least, they had a... They used the, they used the ancient egg timer. Yeah. Oh, yeah, got it. The great... Se- the the whole... Uh, what was that? The... Uh, what, God, what was it? Scepter. That's what it is. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> it's the time turner slash scepter that... Uh, takes everyone back to feudal Japan because that's the only time period anyone can really go back to. You'll just end up in feudal Japan. (laughs) I think that would be an even more interesting story of like everyone just finds out that time travel only takes you back to feudal Japan. (laughs) Where's that Doctor Who episode? Oh my god. It's like next uh, Back to the Future movie, feudal Japan. (laughs) I'd watch Doc Brown try to manage that. Oh god, it would be terrible. So I was like, Marty, you got <laughs> You gotta become the Shogun. <laughs> oh man. Uh but we're not here to talk about DC comics, we're here to talk about Marvel comics, right? I think, sort of. <laughs> Is that what we're talking about? I just told I told Christina, I was just like she's like, so what are you talking about? I was like, I don't know. Punisher or Jedi's it's something. They could go all, all. I think. I think I want to save um, Star Wars for the week. At the I guess after Christmas. Okay. So okay. We'll, we'll get that out in the, uh, before the the year is out. But yeah, I just want to make this about Punisher. We'll, we'll see how far we go with it because I don't know. Like I've even even thinking about it today as a, like I was taking the bus home and I'm just like, what do you really remember about it? Like it's it's fairly fresh, but it it's just like. I don't know how I, I still don't really know how I feel about it. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of things that happen mm-hmm. for this show. Like, yeah. a lot of things. A lot of nuances, um, a lot of things about Frank Castle mm-hmm. as a character. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. Um, so I don't think we ever talked about Daredevil Season 2 on this show, or I could be wrong, and maybe we didn't. I've just forgotten the whole conversation, but... Um, but that's where we were introduced to this version of Frank Castle, played by John Ber- um, Bernthal, who some may know as playing Shane from The Walking Dead, uh, until he wore out his welcome as Shane on The Walking Dead. <laughs> Just the character of Shane in particular. <laughs> I actually like John Bernthal as Shane, but... After when, when season two started just going the way it was going, it's like, can we get rid of him? I hate this. Where this is going, I don't like it. <laughs> but um, so, and he's he's been around. He's been doing a lot of other things. But uh, he was cast in season two as the Punisher, Frank Castle, as a supporting player. But basically, like most of the seer of that second season deals with Frank Castle. 
um, and his relationship, his relationship as the Punisher with Matt Murdock's Daredevil, and they're kind of like back and forth, and there's philosophical clashing of ideals and blah blah blah. Um, also, conspiracy, like you do. Um, of course, exactly. You know, but and and I really liked how that worked. I feel like. Um, Frank Castle is actually a really good supporting character. I don't necessarily feel like he's a good, you know, um, action hero lead kind of guy. Um, just because he's such a throwback, or not even a throwback, he was created in the wake of the comics code being lifted, which then comics got really ultra violent, and he was, and Frank Castle, the Punisher, is basically the child of that. Like, he he exists because comics were like, oh my god, we can finally be ultra violent again. Shoot everything! Um, like, him and Wolverine, I think, are uh, cut from the same cloth. Like, they're, they're just two characters created with the intent to be ultra-masculine, hyper-masculine, kill everyone, ask no questions, like this berserker attitude kind of thing. And, I mean, Frank's always drawn, like, this big, bulky, huge, you know, uh, giant man. Um, So, in my opinion, he always works better as a supporting character because it gives him something to play off of. Um, James, what did you think of John Bernthal as Frank in the Daredevil second season? Um... See, when I when I think of Daredevil season two, I really just think of it as uh, half of it was Daredevil season two. Mm-hmm. The other half of it was the Punisher season one. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's how it just felt. Like it felt like they did put a lot of focus to that character. I do agree with a lot of the sentiments you have as far as like his role in that series, where he worked really well as a supporting character, really challenging uh, Matt's ideals of things. Because Matt's big thing, of course, is um, it's very much kind of that Batman level of things uh, mm-hmm. in DC, where like, where it's just like he won't openly just kill people. Like he's always refused to do that, um, even at the behest of you know the person who trained him, Stick, um, mm-hmm. or um, uh, Elektra, um, or a number of other characters who are just like it's a lot easier if you just kill bad guys, yeah, and they don't come back. And he's just like, no, I can't that i sink to their level and I was, i'm catholic don't you understand right? like i'm catholic and i have guilt leave me alone <laughs> um so it, it was it was really well done i think in the way that they presented um frank castle in that series using him really as a tool um to um point out those things about matt to point out um the ideals of of working within that justice system of fighting um, against um, Kingpin, all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So I thought I thought he was definitely well utilized in the series, but he very much stood out as being a better supporting character in that show yeah. than he did any of the episodes where he struck out on his own. The only real episode that he like struck a tone as a solo character was when he kidnapped um, Karen. Yeah. And, that was pretty much and and i mean and that set the stage i think for even the fandom to be like i want a punisher series Mm -hmm. like i feel like there's a layer to this character i don't know and i want a punisher series yeah well and they did i i think yeah because it goes with like trying to develop a, a good supporting character and especially because um oh god what's his name who plays matt murdoch but the the guy playing matt murdoch i should know this but whatever um he you know he's such a charismatic actor 
And then to get John Bernthal, who's also a very charismatic actor, you know, and to get these two guys to play off of each other and and to represent these kind of two sides of the same coin thing where, like, Matt's just really self-righteous. And, uh, you know, and he's very much, like you said, he's in the Batman uh, school of, like, I won't kill bad guys, and but I'm so bereft with guilt, and oh my god, what am I going to do? I'm going to go talk to my priest for, like, five episodes. Um, <laughs> but it was also really interesting to watch that dynamic play out, and then how... Matt towards the end of the of the second season, which by the way, spoilers for basically the Marvel TV shows. If you I didn't figure that one out by now, um, but when they when Matt gets to his lowest point and he's telling Frank, he's like, maybe your way of doing it's better. You know, when he gets to that point, and then even but then Frank is like, no, you no, you can't do that. It's like we need people like you to be around to put like me in check, basically. Um, I thought that was, that was probably one of my favorite moments because it was just a huge payoff to the, the, the whole season in terms of where Matt was and where, uh, Frank ended up because they also went with a, not only the conspiracy level of, you know, how Frank's family was, was murdered, but then also the, uh, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder combined with a severe trauma in terms of like just bodily trauma, because um, I, I think it's in the trial that they point out that he's his brain was damaged to a, a point where he like relives the the murder of his family over and over and over again. Um, so it was interesting, like how they justified Frank's you know attitude and how the the Punisher would be born out of this particular event. Right. Yeah. Um, so then when we get into. Uh, Punisher season one because it's I think it's already been renewed for a season two. Yep. Yep. Um, so season one, <laughs> we we basically kind of starting a little. I, I don't know when they're kind of starting, but it's probably maybe like six months after he's presumed dead by the rest of New York, and you know, oh, the Punisher, we hate that guy because he kills people, but some people really like him because he's kind of like that vigilante everyone wants. Uh, and so Frank is hanging out as Pete Castellanetti because, yeah. <laughs> right. And working for a construction company. And over the course of the, the series, he finally gets to the point where he wants to, like, he wants to stop this conspiracy all the way to the top. Like, wherever it goes, he wants it to end and gets a sidekick and a dude named Micro, and then there's all kinds of other stuff, but it's, it just, I don't know, for me, this series, like, was really trying to accomplish something in terms of gun control and the treatment of veterans and, and, and post-traumatic stress disorder as well, and I understood where it was going with a lot of this stuff, but it also felt like it didn't quite understand the real issue at hand, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. No, no. What What did you What did you think, James? Well, I mean, so I this season really captured me um, mm-hmm. in many ways, and, and part of it was the fact that I I have somebody near and dear to me who suffers from like severe PTSD because of his military career, mm-hmm. um, and he has you know like like, like anything. Um, with mental health, he has, you know, days where he's fine and he's good. And then he has days that are really bad. Um, and so I did like the fact that they, they were trying to, they were trying to shed a light on that. I thought they do that. They did that in a couple of unique ways and utilizing, uh, Frank's own P 
PTSD issues. The fact that, as said, you know, he he dreams about the death of his family pretty much every night, which yeah. is just like a living hell. Um, it's part of the reason, uh, as we meet the character, you know, after he is, you know, initially it's presumed he's kind of like finished everything. Like, he got all the people who were involved, you know. Yeah. And, and so once he's like kind of reserved himself to a life of like, I'm just living. Like, not living well, not living poor, just living. Yeah, um, he has his, he has his daily routine of smashing that wall, of smashing walls with a, uh, with a mallet, basically. Right? Which, as soon as I saw him smashing a wall, I was like, he's gonna smash someone with a sledgehammer. Oh, it's for gonna sure. happen eventually. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, they, and, and they, I, I think the, seer, the, the season, as you said, I think they, they tried to tackle a lot of different things in you know, tackling something about gun control, which I didn't really get that message very solidly throughout it as far as, like, where they were coming from. Mm-hmm. Because Frank Castle uses all of the guns. Yeah, like, that's, that's his thing. <laughs> <laughs> right? So I was just like, I don't know what message you guys were trying to communicate about about gun control, um, but if it was... If it was there, it was really lost in translation for me, mm-hmm. uh, because all, all I see him do is run around with guns, killing a lot of people. So, yeah. <laughs> um, past that, I think I think what stood out more was definitely like the PTSD issues um, and the message around like veterans and kind of some of the things they go through. They definitely touched on things that we've seen, not just even recently, but over the years with. Um, some of those who uh, have, um, you know, have, have faked like their military career, um, you know, say they did things they never did. Mm-hmm. Um, people who are absolutely gun crazy, like you know, they they did their time, and you know, they believe that guns are the only way. You know, everybody should have it. Um, to the variable of like uh, people who suffer, you know, these these men who got trained, they sacrificed a lot for their nation, mm-hmm. um, are kind of in this like lost diagram and there's one particular scene that points that out where uh it's it's when uh the young man that they center on uh to kind of focus on like his ptsd issues after getting out of the military is like trying to join the private military company yeah and the guy says you know your government trained you they gave you a very you know they gave you skills that you can no longer you no longer have utilization for and they didn't give you anything to fix that yeah and i can i can make use of those skills for you and give you a purpose again and i can see where like a message like that would be really attractive to people uh who have come from those kinds of backgrounds where they maybe saw extreme violence they saw some things that have, have definitely changed them um and they'll never really bounce back from um i thought it definitely tackled mental health for sure mm-hmm. uh, but again i agree it was kind of sporadic it did feel like it kind of jumped around as far as like what they were trying to say about it without like a very clear like ptsd yeah it's a problem <laughs> yeah it's, it's a thing this um, is the, these are ideas on on how we you know how ptsd can be handled i thought they had good characters to try to support some of that mm-hmm. but again at the when you get to the very end of the series all of that stuff just gets lost, yeah. and it suddenly becomes, like, it's just Frank on a killing spree. Like, Basically. the message is no longer there, like, we feel like we resolved it or whatever, 
And now we're just going to talk about Frank murdering some people. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's the thing too is that if you're going to tackle these these issues, I mean, especially the gun the gun control issue with a character like Frank Castle, who's like you said, his thing is using all of the guns. Like that's essentially what he's known for is just shooting people with reckless abandon. Um, I mean, you can center a lot of stories around him and try and, and build some stuff up, but when push comes to shove, the 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 end of the fight usually is Frank shooting somebody, um, especially in the comics uh, and in the previous movies. Um, but in this show, it's just like, okay, if you're going to tackle the gun issue, Punisher's a good character to use, but they don't really use him to tackle the gun issue. They Frank is kind of on the periphery of it, and because there's that uh, Rashomon style episode where everyone's point of view of a partic- of the the assassination attempt on the right. senator is uh is shown and the senator is is a liberal and he's presented as like oh i'm going to i just want to get rid of all guns all the guns so he's the first of all he's the right wing uh fantasy uh, nightmare, basically. Oh my god, they're gonna take all of our guns. Um, and then you have Karen Page, who, you know, is the formerly from the Daredevil shows and Defenders and blah blah blah, and she's basically the only person in Daredevil season two who really believed in, in Frank. Right. So she's she's here now uh, for a couple of episodes to just, you know, make googly eyes at, at Frank a couple of times. and uh, But then her whole thing is that uh, she challenges the senator on that, which is fine, um, and, and is basically like, you know, I can, uh, I'm responsible and everything, and I carry a gun for pr- protection because I'm a woman, and blah blah blah. And then the turnaround of this whole event is supposed to be that the senator is just a big old hypocrite because he hires uh, our the pretty much the big bad of the show, uh, Billy Russo. Uh, he hires his company Anvil to protect him. So it's like this guy who's against guns using hired mercenaries, basically, to protect him. Um, with guns. With guns, <laughs> yes. And so it's just about exposing that kind of hypocrisy, which, okay, fine, but you're also not really diving into the meat of the of the issue here. And it's who has access to guns, who gets guns, who are the actual victims of guns. You know, they're they're presenting this in a very white male perspective. And I think that's where it really falters, because um, with Frank Castle, there's no issue with access to guns. There's, I mean, really, if you think about it, there's no issue with it. Um, he can hide behind this whole idea of self-righteous, you know, I'm, I'm killing the guys who need to be killed. But when you think of the gun control issue, like, who are the people that are actually hurt by this? And it's usually women and children. And, uh, and then they try to also with the, the PTSD suffering guy, which is, I know he has a name. (laughs) What is it? Oh, I've got the IMDB page up here. This is gonna, this, this hurts my heart because I usually like having details. Right. Um, what's his name? Uh, so the, the guy's name is Lewis. Yeah. So Lewis is the, the the young man suffering from PTSD, and then he starts going like ultra um, uh, crazy, basically. With uh, you know, he's he's really standing behind the Second Amendment, and then starts seeing conspiracy theories everywhere. Like the government's trying to get him; uh, they're trying to take away all of our guns, and I'm going to show you. And so, he, of course, what it, what does he do? He blows up a bunch of people, and has the nerve to say that he's like Frank. Which I mean really probably is more true than anything else. But, (laughs) but again, 
there was an interesting thing that they did do with this guy is that he basically, I mean, he becomes a domestic terrorist, but, and in the show they label him as such, but the problem with this is that I don't know if they did that on purpose because they're trying to present, like, this is how it should be treated, or if they're just doing that without really going into the consequences of how people of color who commit crimes are treated versus white men are treated, you know? Because I think if you did this with the actual, like, real world involved, he wouldn't have been labeled a domestic terrorist. He would have been a troubled young man who served his country and was a good man, you know, all that kind of stuff. So there was no... I feel like it almost would have been better served to do that and have some of that controversy come up. Because, yes, we know he's a domestic terrorist, but the media never says that. Unless you're in right. the fantasy world of Marvel, I suppose. Well, and honestly, like in in that in that instance, like even in the show, the like there's you don't actually really see that much involvement of the media. I mean, the most involvement is through Karen, and that's because he sends her a direct letter mm-hmm. to her, and he says like, "Hey, if you don't support this, like you're going to be added to that list." And so, like they kind of talk about it, but then I mean, we do see like the the opposing conjunction with her editor where she's just like like this is big like we need to post this and he's like no yeah we need to contact the authorities and let them tell us whether or not we should post it or not and have them handle it mm-hmm. um and so i mean like the, and, and that's the most we see but even after like the bombing that occurs like we don't see in the show any of that media coverage for the most part as far as like it being presented even if it was like in the background on a tv in the news screen or something like that like we don't really see those elements there so as you said like we don't really see how how the media could have painted that as far as how they wanted to write it in the most like they instead decided to go with just solely sitting on the comparison basis of like him comparing himself to frank yeah and just leave it at that and, and as you said, like, that, it, it's a missed opportunity because, I mean, while we get to have Frank sit there and be like, no, you're not the same as me. I look the people I kill in the eyes with a gun. Yeah. You're just blowing people up. You're a coward. And it was just like, okay, like, as as great as the name calling is, um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel like we're actually, like, getting into anything beyond, like, the argument of, like, who's better than who mm-hmm. uh, about the method in which they're killing people they believe are bad. Yeah. Um, it's very service so, I mean, level. Yeah, so, uh, as you said, there's there's a lot more meat they could have got into um, to really address a lot of the things we're seeing in the world right now, um, the world that we live in, um, and it is disappointing. I mean, even, even the one, like, person of color that's in the show... Yeah. <laughs> He happens to be the guy who's just, like, you know, trying to talk these guys down and, like, have this, you know, assistance program where they come and they talk about their time and he helps try to guide them um, and give them, you know, some sort of, like, peaceful resolution in their minds to deal with, you know, the the depression and the issues that they have from their time served. And even that guy at one point is just like, listen, man, this is a bad choice. You can always come back, brother. Rather than like, oh, hey, I should call the cops mm-hmm. because this guy's planning to blow people up. Um, like, like we don't see those steps taken. Like, they, they paint that character into just like, oh, you can become better. And it's just like, that's not how this works. Yeah. I don't know if you guys know any actual veterans who suffer from PTSD, but like, they never get 
better. They just figure out methods of how to get through it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's all weirdly, not weirdly painted, but it's it's all kind of tied into this um, this idea of what masculinity is on top of it. Um, there's this kind of thread of who the real men are, you know, mm-hmm. because when they talk about, like, how Frank goes about dealing with his problems, it's presented as the right way because he's a real man. He looks people in the eye when he kills them. He he knows what he's doing. He's in control and everything. Because the stuff with Lewis, which ends up being some, like, basically the side quest in the middle of this grand conspiracy, <laughs> it's, I mean, all of these Marvel shows do that. Like, there's always something that happens within, like, the, the middle two or three episodes that just becomes this this uh, pull away from the main plot. And you're just like, guys, we, we didn't need that. <laughs> um, and, and the Lewis thing is is just, is another one of those things, because, yes, you're you're setting up, like, this idea of, of, of a possible comparison or a difference between them, but there really isn't. And then it's really framed within who's the real man. What does a yeah. real man do? And a real man isn't a coward. A real man doesn't run. A real man doesn't blah, blah, blah. Um, well, that's even the influence and actions we see with Frank throughout this season. Like, in mm-hmm. the fact that, like, you know, when he goes over to uh, Lieberman or... Um, his codename Micro. Micro. Um, I was like, "You're such a nerd." Um, <laughs> he, like when he starts interacting with Lieberman's family, like yeah. it's very much like he goes over and you know, uh, while he does pay homage to the girl for like trying to fix things, like and he's just like he's like you're a fixer, and that's cool. Um, you know, it's great that you're trying to you know step up and do and and, and you know fix this on your own and help your mom out. And then Frank just fixes it. He's just like, well, yeah. here, let me kind of do it. So it's like, Frank fixes the sink. Frank fixes the car. Mm-hmm. Frank, <laughs> Frank, Frank, Frank does this. Frank there's does all the things scene. that men do. Right? Well, there's even a scene where, um, in which he's talking to Lieberman, and it's it's a scene where Lieberman's back in the bunker, and he's looking at this gun that's sitting there because they're, they're about to go and get a bunch of guns yeah. from Homeland Security. <laughs> and so he's just like, and he... He's a man who doesn't utilize violence. Like, the gun, as he says earlier on, it's just a threat. Mm-hmm. Like, he never has intention. Frank's like, if you're going to have a gun, you should know how to use it. Um, and then, like, as he's sitting there contemplating this, he even tells Frank, he's like, Frank, I can't do this. Like, this isn't me. This is too much. I can't do this. And he's just like, oh, okay, so you're just you're just going to be a pussy about it. And you're yeah. not going to do anything. He's just like, you know, you know your, your wife said, you know, you, whenever there was a problem, you know, with anything, you just call a guy. You just call a guy to come and fix it. You can't get your hands dirty and fix anything. And it's this very, like, emasculating moment mm-hmm. where it's just like, as I said, like, Frank is the epitome of white male masculinity. Yeah. Like, on all fronts. Like, and, and I do respect the fact that he didn't ever, I never felt like he was talking down to any of the women he encounters except maybe the Homeland Security agent, mm. and that's mostly because he doesn't like cops. Yeah. <laughs> um, but other than that, I do feel like he didn't ever talk down to women in the show, but man, he he, he had no problem about emasculating other men exactly. <laughs> in and, that and, position. Well, and even what, uh, with, with Micro's son, because there's this whole supposed, I mean, this was a, a, a thing that was brought up and then it gets dropped real quick. 
um, because his son is acting out, because Micro faked his own death, as one does, and uh, so he's been trying to figure out how to clear his name, and uh, so he can go back to his, his family, which is his wife, his daughter, and his son, and his son's been acting out in the last year, and then we see him smack his sister, like, full-on smack her in the face for basically ratting the... Huh? Yeah. Yeah. For uh, for for saying that he stole uh the the skateboard that he has, and then uh the 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 wife uh, the mother finds a knife in his uh, room and calls Frank over who uh who she keeps calling who they, he keeps saying his name is Pete, um and and so Frank comes over and basically scares the shit out of this kid. Right, like that was one of the most intense scenes. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I was, I don't think I was ready for it. I was just like, oh, he's just gonna have like a little calm, like, co- like, like talk, and just be like, hey, listen, this is a bad thing. You shouldn't carry that. Oh, I saw that coming a mile away. I knew that <laughs> because once he started going over there and like doing chores, then it became like, oh, Frank's, you know, becoming the surrogate father type figure, and he's also showing them what a real man does because that's what a real man does. Um. And then when, you know, she finds the knife and then asks him over, I knew he was going to threaten the kid with a knife. I knew that was going to happen. What I wasn't expecting is it was that the emotional issues were going to get dropped so friggin' quickly. Like, kid gets a knife put to his, his throat, basically, by Frank, while his father's watching via the cameras that are set up in the house. And, and, and then he's like, do it! kill me. I'm just so in pain all the time. And oh my God, I just need a hug and someone to throw the ball with. Like his, his whole story, this whole little subplot is, is over. Once Frank threatens him with a knife, lets him hug it out and then throws a football at with him. It's like, (laughs) if that isn't a metaphor for something, I mean, man, it's such a a metaphor. I think for how society views that like men deal with their issues. Mm -hmm. Like, Everybody thinks that, like, society is dictated, like, men aren't allowed to show emotion when we're upset. Mm-hmm. Men, society is dictated, like, we, we just have to tough it out. Like, yeah. we always have to tough it out. Um, suck it up, buttercup, and tough it out. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that, and that's influenced through nothing bigger than, like, the military. Like, the military absolutely pushes that. And part of that is just the programming. Because you don't, you don't want soldiers, like, losing their shit on the field because they can't handle it. No, for sure. Um... But, I mean, the fact that society thinks, like, that's just how men should be generally, <laughs> it's just like, no. Like, we're like we're human beings. Human beings are supposed to be emotional beings. Mm-hmm. It's the way we're designed. <laughs> like, but, and so, yeah, it was, it's just like, you know, hug it out, throw a football, and you're fine. Yeah. And like, that kid, in reality, in the real world... That kid suddenly has so many more issues mm-hmm. that he had to start with. Exactly. He just put a knife to his neck. Well, it's like, and I appreciated, like, his mother even, like, calling out, like, my kid's a little shitbag. My kid's a bully, basically, when she finds out all this stuff about him. But then it's kind of presented like she can't handle him. You know, like, that's why she keeps calling Frank over is because she's like, I thought maybe you could talk to him. It's like, well, why? You're his mother. It's like, you... Okay, because there's a lot of women who have to take care of sons yeah. in the absence. Well, I feel like something they don't they don't establish with her character at all is is like kind of where she's at now with yeah. her background. Like, what does she do for work? Like, what would keep her from having like a close relationship with her kid? What would have prevented her from being able to go? 
you know, my kid's got problems. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put him in counseling because he's got some problems. Yeah, he like, should just talk to this random stranger that I ran into and, uh, <laughs> instead of going to therapy. <laughs> oh, it's just, it's, I don't know, it's, I mean, it's like, I understand where they're trying to go with this stuff, but it just, it feels like a lot of these big ideas that they have just get so poorly executed, um, unless it has to do with the grander conspiracy surrounding Frank. Like, all the, all the middle stuff is just kind of like, okay, let's get to the, let's get to the other thing, we know where we're going, we know where we're going, we know where we're going, let's just get there now. I, I don't need five side quests to make Frank feel like he's justified in what he's doing. Well, and I hate to say, I mean, that's that's exactly how I felt watching that, where I was just like, let's just get back to what Frank's doing. Mm-hmm. Like, I just want to see Frank <clears throat> get vengeance and maybe come to a resolution of some kind. Like, yeah. that's what I want to see right now. Exactly. Um, because, like, again, I appreciate what they tried to do. I got it, and I end up walking away from a lot of these episodes after watching them going, man... I haven't seen a show try to tackle some of these kinds of issues about our military because, like, all you see about military stuff so much in, in movies and TV shows is literally just the military side of it. It's, mm-hmm. you know, um, Saving Private Ryan and, you know, Band of Brothers. And, I mean, and you kind of see some of the elements of, like, the things these guys go through and how it can break them, but it's while they're in the field. You never see anything that talks about how these men are how these men and women are affected after they come back mm-hmm. and they're trying to like normalize into society and i i do appreciate that the episode that the show's the show was trying to get there yeah it just didn't execute it it didn't it didn't get me to a point where i was just like oh okay like this really plays in like this is really effective like okay i i want more of this and then later we can get to Frank's resolution. Mm-hmm. Like I never found myself doing that. I was, as I said, I was just like, "Can we? Can we just get to the part where Frank murders more people?" Yeah. And, like, it's, yeah, it's, can we do that? And and I think that's ultimately the the biggest failing of this of this show, this particular season. I mean, God knows what they're going to do with season two, but I imagine he'll probably shoot a lot of people. Um, it <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, if you look at like the first Daredevil uh, was. I mean, I'm hard-pressed to figure out, like, a particular issue, but it is mostly about crime and justice and what what you have to do in order to bring justice to people who can't necessarily get it uh, the way that they, they think that they should. Um, and then you have Jessica Jones, which was uh, much more about uh, the trauma of women who have suffered from sexual or um, violent assault. Um, you have uh, Luke Cage, which is about, you know, relationship between the black community and the police. Um, I don't know what the hell Iron Fist is about, but I imagine it has something to do with punching dragons. Um, like the immortal Iron Fist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I... I I didn't watch that, so I have no idea if it's actually about anything, and I don't really care to, because Danny Rand uh, is just the worst. I, I can tell you, as, as somebody who did watch it, who painstakingly tortured himself through <laughs> all of it, it's literally about a pretentious rich white kid who tells everybody under the sun, I'm the immortal liar this. <laughs> and, and by the end of it, you're like, I hate you, I hate your haircut, I just hate everything that you're doing right now. And then you watch the Defenders, and you're like, I still hate Danny Rand. Yeah. Could you guys just not use him? Could, could they just kick him out of the club? Can they do that? No, he's the money. That's his, that's his superpower. He's rich. 
He's Bruce Wayne in Justice League. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and the Defenders was just about the the inevitable team up, really. I mean, uh, also good detective work will make you figure out that people have been around for over thousands of years and have just been moving corporation to corporation. Um, but and this one is trying to tackle you know another big issue. It's just that it's not centering it around the character in the way that the other shows did. You know, Frank is much more, he's, he's there, but he's not the central focus of that particular story. That's why they had to create an entirely new character for that, because they needed someone to play off of Frank, because his whole deal is that he uses guns to shoot people. (laughs) I mean, I think it would have been better success if they had taken, if they had taken what they did with, like, the meetings, and instead of focusing on Lewis, kept that focus on Frank, Mm -hmm. where, like, from the beginning, Frank, like, like was finally encouraged and like kind of started showing up to these whether it was like standing aloof outside for a couple of episodes and just listening to other veterans Mm -hmm. and then like showing up or even from the get-go like talking about his own personal trials and pain and then simultaneously doing the rest of what we saw him doing in the show for this season where you know for the main plot where he's very much in that struggle of like i can't get out of it Mm -hmm. because i'm stuck in it because I'm living with the literal daily torture of the knowledge and, and the sight of the death of my family. Yeah. Like, that would have been, a, I think, a way more compelling way to tell that story and, again, make it relatable like we saw with Jessica Jones or Luke Cage because those characters were directly into those things. Mm-hmm. It wasn't an aside with a different character. It was part of the mythos of those characters themselves. Exactly. Yeah. No, yeah, putting cuz yeah, cuz Frank doesn't even join the group until it's the last scene of the last episode is like finally, finally he can do he can talk about his pain because he got everything he wanted. It's like <laughs> I killed everyone. Yeah. Now I can talk about my pain. <laughs> and I think that's a terrible moral lesson. So it's like, you know what? You can only really deal with your pain after you've gotten justice for your pain. Like, right? That's why. That's why Batman can never talk about the death of his parents. Is he just said he's never gotten that justice over and over and over again. <laughs> like the the. I think those are. That's just a terrible lesson. It's like he. I, I, I agree with you. He should have been actually going to those meetings. Like, like you said. Like at first, starting off because Curtis, his his friend who uh, lost his leg, and then is apparently a a, a a medic. So you know, if Frank happens to puncture a rib, uh, puncture a lung every once in a while, he can totally patch him up. Right. Um. But yeah, it would have made more sense if Frank was in that group and like every other episode or something, he's in the middle of group chat. And then suddenly, you know, you it's maybe juxtapose this painful thing he's recalling versus what he's actually doing that's causing pain to other people, you know? Right. Like, that would have been more, you know, um, what's the word? It's not ironic, really, but the, maybe it's the Alanis Morissette version of ironic, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, like, I gotta say, I feel so bad for the character of Curtis, Oh, God. This poor guy. Like, he's just trying, like, he's trying to be a good guy. Like, he's trying to stand up for these veterans and be like, there is, there is a life after you get out of this. You can create a new, uh, a second life for yourself Mm -hmm. and and have success and do things. You know, you just, you know, you, you have to, you know, come to these meetings, talk to us, you know, and, and go through the doctor and, you know, get, get medication if that's what you need. 
um, and deal with it in the right way, and you can be what you want to be. And then he's got, I mean, he even says it. I think it's in, like, towards the end, where, like, it's after, like, he's gotten shot <laughs> again. <laughs> and, like, Frank's just, like, and, like, Frank comes over and he's just, like, every time, like, you are a magnet for bad shit. <laughs> and I was just, like, yeah. Yeah, Frank is. Like, yeah. nobody should be friends with Frank Castle because they're liable to get caught in the crossfire. Exactly. that poor guy, like, he gets beaten with his own leg. I know. Which I was like, if that's not enough insult to injury. Uh, and, and then he gets shot yeah. by another guy he thought was his friend. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, Second Life, if you don't have more issues to after all of this, I don't know. I don't know how you're going to survive this, man. I, I yeah. just don't know how you make it through. <laughs> yeah. No, it would have been, yeah, I liked, I liked Curtis. I liked the character a lot, um, especially, like, his relationship with Frank. And also, like, you know, what he was trying to do is, like, he's trying to give this, this safe haven for veterans. And it's just not going well for him. <laughs> like, not especially with this one kid. I mean, it's like, this one guy just ruins it for everybody, man. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it, Lewis. Yeah. Sure hope you don't blow yourself up in a fridge. (laughs) I did like Lieberman's character overall. Mm -hmm. I thought he was an interesting, like, juxtapose to Frank Castle. Yeah. Because, I mean, he he is very much like, he tries to even tell Frank, he's like, we're like the same person. Like, (laughs) we have the same thing going on. Like, you lost your family. I lost my family. And Frank's counter is like, your family wasn't murdered. And I was just like, I mean, that's fair. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah. But at the same time, like, he's lost his family in the sense of, like, he had to, you know, essentially fake his own death and hasn't, and, and has had them believing he's been dead for, like, a year. Yeah. Um, which I can't imagine, like, all, that's all, like, almost to some degrees, it's worse because it's like, you know they're alive. They don't know you're alive. And so you see them all the time but because you don't want bad things to happen to them you can't ever reach out and touch them like you can't ever have any kind of involvement mm-hmm. and so i think his character is interesting because he is he is the opposite in the sense of like trying to be non-violent um i mean he even tells frank he's like without without guidance you're like you're you're just like a nuclear bomb yeah uh, but if you have somebody like me to point you in the right direction now you're a precision missile, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of true, but it never feels like it pans out in that way. No, <laughs> it feels like things just keep getting worse for these two guys. Like, Spring yeah, Castle is just a nuclear bomb. Like, nobody really guides him. Like, you guys start with a plan. It goes south pretty much 100% of the time, and it usually ends up with Frank Castle bleeding. <laughs> A lot. Yeah. Like, he survived some shit. I'm pretty sure no one really... Like, like if any other character in the show had suffered the amount of damage Frank did, they would not have survived. Inhuman amounts of blood. Like, I found myself in the last, like, couple episodes of the show, specifically after the torture that Frank Castle goes through, and Mm -hmm. I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at the blood that they've got on the floor, the blood that's on Frank, (laughs) and the amount of blood still coming out of his mouth, and I'm like... How many blood capsules did John Bernthal shove in his mouth? Oh god! Like how how much blood is possible here? I I'm pretty sure you should be dead by now. <laughs> 
I, I can only imagine after some of those takes where he's just spitting those, just what's what's ever in his mouth that he has to get out anyway. He's just going like, <laughs> oh, it's, yeah, because like in that what second to last episode where he's, I mean, it's just head to toe might as well just be covered in like carry levels of blood. <laughs> yeah. Well, and this show doesn't spare brutality from Frank True. at all. Like, I mean, we we watch him. We watch him go through a lot of uh, pain. He almost dies two or three times, mm-hmm. um, and then just bounces back. That's what I love. Yeah. There's zero recovery time. Like, like I know how I feel if I donate blood, and, like, <laughs> and I'm watching Frank like lose blood, and I'm like, how is he not down and out for like at least two days? It's like, because he's a real the- man, James. That's a real, Frank, real man, James. Castle. Uh, um, <laughs> I'll go throw it a football, and I'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, I threaten kids with knives. Bah! Um, I mean, I'm like, shit, if that's the fuel I need to get me through life. Uh, Gotta find some more kids to threaten with knives. But yeah, like, I mean, so we watch Frank go through his own, uh, a lot of his own pain and torture. Um, but he also delivers it. Um, mm-hmm. He delivers it hard. And, and I gotta say, like, the action parts of this show... I enjoyed immensely. I thought oh, yeah, the yeah. choreography for like gun combat was really done well. Uh, the hand to hand combat, I like, I, I legitimately enjoyed. Um, like the end of this show gets so brutal. Yeah. I mean, there's of course the torture scene with Frank, and then Frank kills that guy, and not like you know, oh, I shot him or I stabbed him. Like no, I've stabbed him, and then I beat him half to death mm-hmm. and then i just shoved out his eyes and the show creators spared no details about that yeah <laughs> they're like no, we're going whole hog on this yeah and and it's one of those things where i know that with because with frank is an anti-hero you know in yeah. every sense of the word um and and it's and yeah it's like by so by the end of this series do you really like frank castle i mean as a character, I mean, you can like the actor just fine, but it's just like, are are we as an audience supposed to be rooting for him? Well, and that's the thing is, like, by by the end of his his run in Daredevil season two, I was a Punisher guy. Like, like as the character, I could have been like, yeah, no, like I still feel like he's kind of legit mm-hmm. in like the reason behind his cause and what he's doing. Like, I get it; it makes sense. But yeah, by the end of this, it it almost, it really does. Like, it feels like the Punisher is killing for killing's sake. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it's so much on the side of justice. I mean, it's his own justice, but in terms of me being sympathetic for that justice, mm-hmm. not at all. Like, it, it gets to the point where it definitely goes too far, I feel, yeah. for that character, where it's just like, Frank, you're no longer doling out justice. Like... You're doling out, like, some sort of, like, violence porn that, like, you're getting satisfied off of mm-hmm. on a disturbing level, like, to a to a villainous degree. Yeah. Um, if you look at the end of the show, his final confrontation with his no longer best friend, yeah. Billy. Um, so the setup with Billy is to lead Billy to becoming, I believe, um, what is a character in the Marvel series called Jigsaw. Yeah. Um, which was villain really like he wasn't a great guy before but he is kind of created by frank frank makes his own personal nemesis in this mm-hmm. um where the fight is a very brutal fight and it goes across the line at that point where 
where he you know he beats Billy quite a bit. Yeah, uh, shreds his face to next to nothing over glass, which I mean, I was just like, I was simultaneously like, get it, freak, and then like cringing all at the same time. I was like, oh, this is so harsh. And there's that moment where it's like he won't finish the guy. Like he's just like, nope. You're gonna live with this. You're gonna live looking in the mirror, knowing that you're ugly and I did it to you, and you're gonna live with that every day. And I was just like, see, I feel like you've gone too far at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, at, at this point, you should have finished him, or it never should have got here. You should have just called the cops and been like, you know what? I know where the guy's at. Yeah. Uh, come get him. <laughs> and may, maybe, like, broke his kneecap so he couldn't, like, get away. At the most. Like, <laughs> and I do. I feel like the Punisher, the, for, for the end of the series, like, I couldn't say that I was like, yeah, no, the Punisher, he's an anti-hero. Like, I very much saw him in a light of, like, he's not a good guy. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he goes too far. Yeah. I mean, and even the, yeah, because the fight with Billy... Well, yeah, I mean, like you said, it's brutal. It goes, it crosses a line at some, at one point where you're just kind of like, are we done yet? Can you just, I mean, how many more times do we, because he scrapes his face across that mirror like a couple of times. And, and that's, I mean, other than trying to create Jigsaw, basically, it's also, I mean, it kind of falls back on that um, masculinity thing because Billy is presented as vain. You know, he's very concerned with appearance, like how he looks. He's, you know, he's not as... Um, bulkier built as uh, as uh, Frank or Curtis is, you know? He's a very slight man who likes to dress well. He's concerned with how his, his um, not comatose, but his uh, uh, his mother's teeth are in the in the care home that she's in, basically. You and know? what happened to her? I don't That's know! Like, I'm like, okay, so you got rid of Billy. What happened to Billy's mom? <laughs> yeah, does anyone even know she's alive? <laughs> But, but yeah, it just feels like that whole scrape, you know, the, the whole thing is just really setting up because vain Billy is now being like punished by the, the real man. Like the effeminate man is being punished by the, the bulky man, but that could be reading too much into it. But it seemed like that was a thing Um, because they also make that whole thing where like when Frank has grown out his beard and his hair and they keep talking about how he looks like a hipster, like again, he he decides to shave and cut his hair because he doesn't want to feel like he's an effeminate man, you know? Right. So, I don't know. And, and it almost feels like Frank should have died at the end of this series. Like, it, this should have been, like, the intention of this, of this season should have just been to get justice for Frank's thing and then die. <laughs> like... Yeah. Well, and, and, and I mean, it does. And that, and that takes us to a point where it's just like, I mean, where... As said, with they've announced season two, mm-hmm. which I can't say I'm not excited about because I do want to see. I want to see if they're going to take it now, kind of like we discussed, where it was like, oh, Frank goes to these meetings, and so now he's kind of at this inner battle of like I'm reliving my torture, and I don't because he even says that at the end, like when he when he shows up to the meeting, and he's just like, you know, like how do you get out of it? You know, you just you you live this life for for so long and mm-hmm. it's just it's it becomes a part of who you are and so once you leave it like how how do you just leave it like how do you get away from it yeah um and and i'm interested to see if season two really tackles that where it's just like frank is dealing with the constant um 
kind of feel like I need to do this because people need to be defended. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. And I'm not sure what they're going to do with it. Like, who are you going to introduce as the new... Because that's the thing with the all of, all of these series. It's like, who's the new villain? Mm-hmm. Who's the new big bad? Um, so that's the other question. It's like, who are you going to make your bad guy? Like, is it going to be Jigsaw? Or is it going to be, you know, somebody else? Like, what are you going to do with this? Yeah. Well, and, and to that, to the point of the Defenders, I mean, that you brought up, shouldn't Iron Fist have been doing something? Like, because at the end of the Defenders, with Matt being, you know, presumed dead, and he left his city to Iron Fist, shouldn't Danny have been showing up at some point? <laughs> I mean, it seems just, like he's really slacking. Just show, up, just show up and see Frank Castle and be like, I'm the immortal Iron Fist. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> and then watch Frank Castle promptly try to just shoot him in the face. That actually would have been genuinely funny and amazing to watch. Right, like, we could have we could have resolved one of two issues here, um, which is either the Punisher is, is met with an end, or the Iron Fist is met with an end. <laughs> Like, we could have got rid of a problem for sure. One way or I feel like this is a two birds, one stone scenario. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, and that's the thing. is like, I, I do think, if I look back at the Marvel series of, of, uh, of TV shows that have been written so far for Netflix specifically, because I can't say, I haven't, I haven't watched, uh, The Gifted, and I haven't, or all of The Gifted, and I haven't gotten through the new show on Hulu, The Runaways, mm-hmm. um, both of which I'm really confused by, because I'm like, where are we going? Um, <laughs> because one of them is from Fox, and the other one is through Marvel, but I'm not sure, like, I was like, is this Disney Marvel, and why did they go to Hulu? Look, Disney just bought them anyway, so who the hell cares? Right, like, they'll just buy everybody. Eventually, it will be the world ran by Disney. Sure, sure. Um, but <laughs> I was just like, so, uh, out of out of the Marvel television series that have been written, for me, I mean, it's still, for me, out of the best written shows, it's still Jessica Jones. Mm-hmm. Luke Cage, mm-hmm. and I, and those two are interchangeable for me in any order because I'm like they're both really well written. Like I, it's hard for me to put one over the other because they're both they both tackle exactly the issue that they're trying to address, um, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course Daredevil, um, and then yeah, I mean nothing is still as badly written as. <laughs> Immortal Iron Fist. <laughs> like, I'm like Iron Fist is still horrible. It still it doesn't go for anything. It doesn't go for anything at all, um, and that's the problem. And so, I mean, I I am compelled to see where they're going to take the Punisher after this. Yeah, no, it it'll it'll be interesting. Definitely, it's just yeah, it's just hard to reconcile wanting to watch another season of Frank, which will basically amount to I don't want to do this, but they're going to pull me back in. It's like the mafia kind of. <laughs> Oh God! And then I'm sure Karen will show up and be self righteous about something, and like if she doesn't get kidnapped, yeah, I'm mean, really thankful to see in this series. Jesus, Karen doesn't get kidnapped. Well, no, I think that technically, she does, she yeah, does get kidnapped because the bomber fucking grabs her. Yep, yep. Like, I'm gonna blow her up. I was like, damn it, Karen. <laughs> and that, yeah, this is things like I I like the actress. I like uh, Deborah Ann Wall, but I don't like. Karen as a character. I don't 
because she's there's there's just a way that they present arguments through Karen that does not work for me. (laughs) Just right, like they use her as the sounding board for what I feel should be a basis within the character. Moreover, like I didn't mind her so much in like Daredevil season one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Daredevil season one, I was fine with Karen. But it's like after that, she gets she gets pretty self righteous, mm-hmm. um, and I mean part of that is you know to blame on Matt. But again, like she maintains that, like even when you see her briefly in the Defenders and everything, is Matt's trying to like pick up his life and and not be Daredevil. Um, you see her like kind of with that with that self righteousness of like you know like like it's your life you, you know do do whatever you want to do I mean I'm I'm glad you're not but you know yeah. what, whatever you want to do and it's just like oh God like take a stance you're either against him or you're not against him like I'm not saying it needs to end your friendship for sure but like you can at least be like I still don't support you ever doing that it's a terrible idea or be like you know what. I understand why it's important, and, and and I'm behind it. I just don't want to be directly involved. Yeah. Like I get that with the character, but they just they never do that with her. Like as you said, she's she's some sort of sounding board for whatever weird, pretentious secondary plot point that they want to try to like get out there. Yeah, and they try to influence it as like, oh, but she's like the media, and I'm like, she's kind of the media, like. <laughs> She 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 made her own job for herself by forcing herself into an office and like having the spunk and the gumption to go after a story, which is like that's not how getting jobs work. But okay, <laughs> I mean, if that's how getting jobs worked, man, I'd not be where I'm at right now. <laughs> well, and it was like every scene she was in with her editor Ellison, who I like the actor who who plays her editor, but every scene seemed to be like him him explaining how he tried to protect his paper and blah, blah, blah. And her just getting pissed off that he dared like pull a story or dared give in to government pressure to, to not report on something. And it's just like, okay, look lady, you haven't been running this paper for like 20 years. So let's just back it up a couple of notches. I don't care that you're the editor. Fuck the man. Let's get like just righteous with this. He's like, no, you don't understand. This is a business. Mm-hmm. And businesses have to run a certain way. <laughs> yeah, it's like there's actually some kind of protocol when you have to. You know, I, I, I imagine. I don't know if it's true, but I imagine if someone calling himself micro, like you know, sent you some stuff, and then the government was like, maybe you should, and like, even if you were like, I'm against the man, you'd probably still follow protocol. Like, on average. I'm sorry, we can't all be a part of, like, various superheroes' lives, Karen. Yeah, I mean, at the least, like, Peter Parker this thing. Like, spin it where, like, you're like, oh, like, I kind of know these people that are superheroes, and I write stories about them. But, like, she never does that. Like, I, I actually don't know what Karen has ever written, like, at all in the <laughs> series. I'm like, what, what have you actually contributed through the media... As a journalist, yeah. what have you done? <laughs> it would have made more sense for, like, her and that one senator to actually go on Trish's show. Like, I'm not... It, it feels like that's a kind of a waste of a person that you already had in your repertoire of people that you could have yeah. used a platform for. Because, like, again, it's these these interconnected people. Like, a lot of these supporting actors could really be in and out of each other's series. Like, I don't know why Trish Talk wasn't, wasn't where this all happened, but, you know... Yeah. Well, and I'm, I, and I mean, I got 
gotta say, I am kind of glad because it has been. Uh, I love Rosario Dawson. Mm-hmm. I love her. She's great. Yeah. I was really happy to not see her show up <laughs> yet again to pat some random dude up <laughs> in the Marvel shows. Right. Because that's been consistent. Like every like she shows up in Iron Fist. Mm-hmm. She shows up in the Defenders. I was just like, oh my god, when does this poor lady get a break? from self-righteous vigilantes and, like, super-powered beings <laughs> to, like, just Never. have a life. She's the night nurse. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would have been interesting if, like, Curtis was like, I know someone who can help you, and it's Rosario Dawson. <laughs> She's an old friend. Like, what the hell? Did you go to high school with her? Yeah. What? It's like, well, that makes about as much sense as everything else that's going on around here, so sure, fine, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, and, and this is a consistent problem that like the Marvel series has is like they they and it is refreshing to see that they they didn't make some repeat steps in the Punisher, but then they did make some repeat steps in the Punisher, and mm-hmm. it was just like like introduce different characters like that. None of this has to all be interconnected. At this point, it's really clear that the TV series are really far off away from the movies like they're supposedly in the same universe but it's vaguely mentioned a couple times early on in like daredevil yeah and then after that like it's very much like these these are all treated as almost really their separate universe so like let's let's have fun with it let's get creative with it like let's do some things that are different and engaging why do we have to keep bringing the same characters that are in other series into the newest series that you've written (laughs) That's very true. Um, I don't think we've actually mentioned the uh, this what, FBI agent, their Homeland Security agent, who has yeah. been dogging Madonna. Frank the whole time. Uh, uh, Madani. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did What did you think of of the character? So right away, I was kind of disenchanted with her, mm-hmm. um, mostly because, like, I don't, I don't know. Part of me, like. And, and maybe this is my, I get too much into the realism of the world part of my brain sometimes, whereas it's like, if she worked for a government agency, her actions would never fly. She would not be in the position she's in. Somebody would have been like, nope, we're done. <laughs> but, um, I mean, I, I appreciate like what she's going for. Um, mm-hmm. So the character obviously starts off like, this guy that was my partner was killed. And I'm out to uncover who killed him that leads into a bigger government conspiracy that leads into Frank Castle's conspiracy Yeah, that leads to like it all. And, 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 and that's the way they designed it where like everything was chained together. So it was just like, well, I need to talk to these guys. How about this Frank Castle? Well, Frank Castle's dead. And then Frank Castle immediately is not dead <laughs> and reveals himself to her mm-hmm. um, because pacing. Yeah. I don't, um, so, like, I, I had a lot of issues with the way they presented that. Overall, I liked Madani's character. I think she does represent, like, a strong female character within the uh, within a government, like, organization that is predominantly, um... White and male. Men. Yeah. White men. Um, and I do like the fact that, like, her her partner is kind of a disgraced white guy, where he's just like, yeah... I pushed, and then I got a desk job, and now I'm your partner. So take that as you want. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I kind of like this guy. 
Um, of course he had to die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you like a character? <laughs> Fuck you. Dead. I know. I know. Um, well, and I like I like that character and his interaction with her and the fact that he's, he's kind of conflicted because he's like, I'm already, like, on the bench at this point. Like, I don't get to do anything for my own career, and I really just get to interact through her. And then I'm faced with a situation in which... I feel like this is really wrong. Like, she's really wrong Mm -hmm. according to policy. But he still sides with her. Like, he still takes up that mantle of, like, no matter what, I'm I'm your partner. And I'm not going to go immediately. But if this goes sideways, oh, I'm totally going to the right people. Yeah. Like, no, this was your idea. Um, And it's horrible. No, I, I liked how they, like, yeah, they built up their, their trust and their friendship up to the point where he, he unfortunately meets up with Billy Russo first. <laughs> that was a, that was a, one of the, like, Frank Castle style murders where you're like, this seems excessive. Right? <laughs> like, um, well, and like the whole time, cause I'm, I'm an advent, you know, game player. Mm. Uh, I like to play, uh, particularly, I'm a big fan of the Assassin's Creed franchise, and the second he, like, starts stabbing him with, like, this weird wrist knife, I was like, they stole that from Assassin's Creed. That's bullshit. <laughs> but, uh, no, overall, I mean, by the end of the series, I did like Madani's character. I like the way she stood, because she is a character that is is conflicted by the end, where she's like, I, and I mean, it's even pointed out by Lieberman, or Micro, where he's just like, and, you know, and, and it's in, like, the second to last episode, after Frank is pretty much dying like he's laying on the floor and he's gonna die if something doesn't happen Mm -hmm. and he tells her you know he did this for your justice and you're just gonna stand there because at the end of the day they painted it as madani madani was looking to get the people that killed her partner and it was i don't know maybe it was unclear for me and maybe maybe it was clear for you it felt unclear to me whether or not by the end she was on the side of like if Frank Castle kills a person, I'm willing to turn the blind eye. Hmm. I don't... Much more on the, like, no, I still believe these people just need to be brought to judicial justice. Yeah, I think it's more the latter. I don't think that Madani is the type of character who would just let Frank kill Nilly Willy. Because she even says, like, if I see you again, I'm going to kill you. Um, Basically, because, yeah, Madani's whole thing is... She just wants to figure out who killed this, you know, the the initial reason that she's brought into New York is because she's trying to figure out, uh, find the people who killed um, an informant in Afghanistan. Basically a man who was a cop um, and was helping American uh, GIs, you know, by informing and, and whatnot. So uh, an ally who was killed because the dude in the CIA who wanted to advance his career decided he was just going to let this group of mercenaries kill the guy. Um, And then that's what sparks the whole tape thing, and then Micro gets involved, and blah, blah, blah. So it all kind of, it all ties it together. So she's really out for, she wants justice for this particular person, and then it becomes justice for her partner, and then it just becomes wanting to take down the, it's like the corrupt parts of of, of Homeland Security and the CIA and whatnot. Right. Um, so I think that once that whole thing is managed and taken care of, I don't think she's going to be the type of person, like, if Frank is pulled into something else and she's on the on the case, I don't think she's going to be all like, well, 
you know what? I like Frank. I'm just right. going to turn away and hope this problem doesn't come across my desk again. Oh, wait, here it is. <laughs> well, and I do like the way they built her character as far as her personal background. The fact mm-hmm. that um, her parents were like uh, first-generation immigrants um, who came here and like they built a life for themselves and success. And, and they do a really interesting job, and I'm not sure why exactly they did it this way um because you you finally find out really by the end like it's established pretty early on that her mom is clearly like a psychologist or something like that yeah but like they talk a lot about her dad but they don't really talk about what her dad does at all so like there's a point where i was just like is he like a political official like what (laughs) is he um, and then at the end, they're like, oh, he's just a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, oh, okay. Oh, that's but convenient. I did appreciate the fact that, right? <laughs> I did appreciate the fact that they decided to point out, like, this is a woman who who was, like, second generation, um, you know, in, in America, like, grew up in America. Um, and she even establishes herself, like, she's just like, like, my family came from another country. I and think she's, she's I from Afghanistan, like, isn't she? She's like, she's Afghani or is she Persian? I think she's Persian. Okay. Um, but I mean, it is that, you know, the Middle East. Yeah. And so it's it's just like, so she's just like, you know, so my family comes from this place. And, and by all means, like when I'm with my family, I am, I am that. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I'm as American as it gets. Like I'm. I, I love America and yeah. I grew up here and I love this country and I have fought hard to be where I am because not only is she you know second generation she's also a woman mm-hmm. um, working up through a government agency and so I did like the way I, I think out of all of the <laughs> all of the characters that get presented she's probably one of the best designed and well built as far as like her backstory. And where she comes from and how she got to where she is and why that's important. Yeah. No, I agree with you on that one. Yeah, it, it is, um, first of all, having like this woman in a semi-powerful position being um, the one who's tracking Frank down. And then also, yeah, her, her background is a direct, you know, um, a direct call out to like, hey, guess what? That there are these first and second generation um, <clears throat> Americans who are just as invested in the well-being of our country uh, and just because they have brown skin doesn't mean that they are an automatically like um, a an enemy, you know. So, <coughs> sorry, I've been getting over a cold again. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, no, I like I liked her a-, a lot. I wish that the the stuff with Billy Russo hadn't been so I don't know uh, viscerally disgusting. <laughs> like, right. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's like I understand that you guys are on Netflix and you don't have to worry, really worry about you know ratings or any or um what uh you know small children watching it or anything like that. <laughs> but it's just like okay, these these sex scenes are getting kind of like really okay. Here we go. <laughs> right. I swear I'm not a prude, but it just it gets to the point where like I don't man. Can we just get back to the violence? <laughs> For sure. Well, and it's one of those where it's just like, you know what? Uh, if if I want this much gratuitous um, sexual whatever, I could just go watch season one of Game of Thrones. That's I true. really could, and and that would be that would get it all out of the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, those are 
a lot of these things are squabbles. I think it's always the, the bigger issues that are what bring you back to shows like this. I mean, and, and, and I don't know with Punishers, like, like you said, I'm, I'm interested in what they'll, they're going to do for season two, because I don't honestly know where you go from here, except for Frank gets pulled back into murder. Um, so that'll be interesting, I guess, but. Right. And, and that, that's the inevitability is like, that's, where we know Frank's going to go back, I guess it's, yeah, as I said, it's the question of, like, how do they make that interesting for the reasons why? Yeah. Because at this point, we've we've overplayed and outplayed Revenge for My Family. Mm -hmm. That's done. Like, that's that's so far done at this point. Um, So it's like, what's the motivation now? Yeah. Yeah, that's going to... I think that's going to be the the real stickler there. It's just like I can accept the premise of him getting drawn back in if the the reason makes sense. Because if it's just well, you know, that's what Frank do. Uh, like no, guys, you can't. Like not after the supposed progress you've made with this guy who's now going to therapy and everything. You can't just say like well he he just likes to murder. Therapy after the government went and eh, we give you a free pass. Yeah, basically. At least a hundred people, mm-hmm. for sure. <laughs> that and, we know of. Right, and like, eh, we'll give you a pass. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, what? Pete Castellanetti still lives and has a good life. Like, are you sure? Because it didn't seem like Pete Castellanetti was doing much better. Right? It's like, dude was hitting walls with a sledgehammer and not talking to anybody. Yeah. I don't see that ending in a good direction. Exactly. It's like, I don't know, maybe he'll just have, you know, Friday night dinners over at the Lieberman's. (laughs) (laughs) A domestic bliss that Frank's really just gearing up for. Him and Karen can go on a proper date. Well, I mean, you know that's where it's going because he's totally in love with her. Don't you see that? Oh, I know. Yeah. Well, yeah, like, hey, let's put Frank Castle and Karen really beaten up and bloody in an elevator. Yeah, it's just like, okay, like how many more, uh, especially with Karen's like, okay, so you've gotten out of a relationship with a guy who dresses up like a, a, a red devil, and now you're making eyes at a dude who wears a skull in his shirt and, <laughs> and, and kills without mercy. Karen, I don't know about you, but you might want to set up a dating profile on yeah. a website. It doesn't involve psychopaths. Perhaps. That would just be the first thing she should do. <laughs> Second thing, she should really lay off her boss, because dude's just doing what he's, what he's trying to do. Right, like, I'm, I'm an editor. I'm the <clears throat> chief editor. I'm just trying to run a business here, lady. Exactly. It's like, once those things are taken care of, I think Karen will be just fine, and no kidnappings will ever, ever happen again. Oh, no. Karen's on the kidnap bus forever. <laughs> oh, my God, the kidnap bus. I forgot about that. Oh, well, James, do you feel like there's anything else we should talk about with Punisher that you've been wanting to talk about or we just didn't get to? No. Um, I mean, <laughs> overall, the only the, the one thing I would say about the actor himself, I, I as, as you said in the beginning, I really do like John Bernthal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he does deliver a lot for the character. I think his iteration of Frank Castle is a version of Frank Castle we haven't seen really represented in represented in any of the media formats that he's been in mm-hmm. um, for movies. Like, we saw Thomas Jane's Punisher, which, mm. while the whole premise of that movie is very hokey, I enjoyed Thomas Jane. Yeah. Did you see the <laughs> short that he did that he 
financed with his own money. Oh no, I never saw that. Yeah, I'll I'll send it to you, but it's like he made his own little fan film of the Punisher with himself playing Frank, and I think uh, Ron Perlman's in it too. Nice. Yeah. Um, I've seen uh, the other one, which was oh man, I can't even remember the actor's name. Uh, Ray Stevens. Yeah, Ray Stevens. Yeah, Warzone. Um, which, which I mean, the, the way I look at them is I'm like. Thomas Jane's uh, perspective was a more humanized perspective of the Punisher, while Ray Stevens was just all the violence. Yeah, it was no perspective on like humanity or the person or anything. It was just a pure violence flick. Yeah, well, um, and I would I, think- I would actually advise people if they're interested. I interviewed uh, Lexi Alexander, the director of Punisher Warzone, on this very podcast. So. You should go back and listen to that. Her and uh, JP joined uh, me for that one, so... Man, I might have to go back and check that out. You should. I'm surprised you haven't listened to it already, James. I know. What's wrong with me? God, you're the worst. Uh, I'm a horrible friend. But so. just can't even... I don't even know why we're talking still. <laughs> um, I think John Berthold's iteration of The Punisher is a happy medium, mm-hmm. um, so to speak. Like, I think you do get to see a humanized version of Frank Castle um, kind of dealing with his own battle um, and you get all of that violence porn that you're after (laughs) to some degree. Um, That's what it does for you. (laughs) There you go. I mean, I don't think it's the worst written thing I've ever seen. Um, There's just a lot of, there's a lot of stop gaps. There's a lot of things that definitely, I hope they do better for season two to really develop a better message of what they're trying to communicate. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and I really think that the Marvel TV shows even have to reconsider, like, maybe 13 episodes is too much for you guys. Like, uh, some series can do it in eight. Like... Yeah, I'm just saying, like, you could you could totally, um, you could totally take this in the direction of, uh, um, oh, shit, Sherlock. Yeah. Uh, from BBC. Like, make an hour and a half, you know, three hour and a half episodes, and let's just get down to brass tacks about the character. Yeah. Like, we don't, we don't side quests we don't that's what video games are for yeah. that's, that's why that's why we have D. okay that's where we get side quests <laughs> well james then because uh, i know you've you're starting up writing and podcasting again so is there anything you would like to promote uh this is gonna go up probably on saturday actually yeah um so yeah uh all kinds of stuff uh coming up uh i'm trying to get it as frequent as i can I'm actually working with somebody right now to hopefully try to get organized and be producing uh, content, uh, hopefully really regularly. But right now, uh, there's definitely podcasts uh, that y'all can listen to, uh, so you can definitely check uh, find those on RomanOnTheRocks.com. They're all on the webpage. Um, otherwise, if you want to go to SoundCloud, check them out there. Uh, but uh, I have not got set up for iTunes yet. I know. I sorry for oh, all you iTunes listeners, but hey, iTunes you. is rumored to go away in the next year, anyways. I know. So, I heard that. Yeah. So uh, just get on SoundCloud. Um, but yeah, you can check those out there. And I'm trying to write things. Um, so there's a couple of things I've written on there. So yeah, check those out. Sweet. And uh, yes, as always, you guys can come back here for riveting conversation about uh, superheroes and the whatnot. Uh, and I'm also going to be launching in the new year. I've, I've put up two articles already, but they were old articles, but this is going to be uh, pop archives, uh, because I am an archivist by trade. Um, and I'm always interested in how my profession is depicted in media and turns out it's 
not great. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to write about a bunch of instances in which archives pop up in pop culture, uh, like in movies, television shows, cartoons, comics, all that kind of stuff, video games, uh, all the things. So that'll be pop archives popculturearchives.com, I think is, is what I've got. So check that out. Uh, coming to you in January. Um, but always, as always, James, thank you for, for coming on the show. Uh, we'll obviously be talking Star Wars next time, uh, probably with somebody else joining us too. I don't know. So, Hey, I'm always down. Sweet. All right. Let's get out of here then. Good night, everybody. Good night.